episode 51, chapter 17, The Four Champions. Harry sat there, aware that every head in the great hall had turned to look at him. He was stunned. He felt numb. He was surely dreaming. He had not heard correctly. There was no applause. A buzzing, as though of angry bees, was starting to fill the hall. Some students were standing up to get a better look at Harry as he sat frozen in his seat. Up at the top table, Professor McGonagall had got to her feet and swept past Ludo Bagman and Professor Karkaroff to whisper urgently to Professor Dumbledore, who bent his ear toward her, frowning slightly. Harry turned to Ron and Hermione. Beyond them, he saw the long Gryffindor table all watching him, open-mouthed. I didn't put my name in, Harry said blankly. You know I didn't. Both of them stared just as blankly back. At the top table, Professor Dumbledore had straightened up, nodding to Professor McGonagall. Harry Potter, he called again. Harry, up here, if you please. Come on, Hermione whispered, giving Harry a slight push. Harry got to his feet, trod on the hem of his robes, and stumbled slightly. He set off up the gap between the Gryffindor and Hufflepuff tables. It felt like an immensely long walk. The top table didn't seem to be getting any nearer at all, and he could feel hundreds and hundreds of eyes upon him, as though each was a searchlight. The buzzing grew louder and louder. After what seemed like an hour, he was right in front of Dumbledore, feeling the stares of all the teachers upon him. Well, through the door, Harry, said Dumbledore. He wasn't smiling. Harry moved off along the teacher's table. Hagrid was sat right at the end. He did not wink at Harry or wave or give any of his usual signs of greeting. He looked completely astonished and stared at Harry as he passed like everyone else. Harry went through the door out of the great hall and found himself in a smaller room, lined with paintings of witches and wizards. A handsome fire was roaring in the fireplace opposite him. The faces in the portraits turned to look at him as he entered. He saw a wizened witch flit out of the frame of her picture and into the one next to it, which contained a wizard with a walrus mustache. The wizened witch started whispering in his ear. Victor Crumb, Cedric Diggory, and Fleur de la Cour were grouped around the fire. They looked strangely impressive, silhouetted against the flames. Crumb, hunched up and brooding, was leaning against the mantelpiece, slightly apart from the other two. Cedric was standing with his hands behind him, staring into the fire. Fleur de la Cour looked around when Harry walked in and threw back her sheet of long, silvery hair. What is it? she said. Do they want us back in the hall? She thought he had come to deliver a message. Harry didn't know how to explain what had just happened. He just stood there, looking at the three champions. 
It struck him how very tall all of them were. There was a sound of scurrying feet behind him, and Ludo Bagman entered the room. He took Harry by the arm and led him forward. Extraordinary, he muttered, squeezing Harry's arm. Absolutely extraordinary. Gentlemen, lady, he added, approaching the fireside and addressing the other three. May I introduce, incredible though it may seem, the fourth dry wizard champion? Victor Crumb straightened up. His surly face darkened as he surveyed Harry. Cedric looked nonplussed. He looked from Bagman to Harry and back again, as though sure he must have misheard what Bagman had said. Fleur Delacour, however, tossed her hair, smiling, and said, Oh, very funny joke, Mr. Bagman. Joke? Bagman repeated, bewildered. No, no, not at all. Harry's name just came out of the goblet of fire. Crumb's thick eyebrows contracted slightly. Cedric was still looking politely bewildered. Fleur frowned. But evidently there has been a mistake, she said contemptuously to Bagman. He cannot compete. He is too young. Well, it is amazing, said Bagman, rubbing his smooth chin and smiling down at Harry. But as you know, the age restriction was only imposed this year as an extra safety measure. And as his name's come out of the goblet, I mean, I, I don't think there can be any ducking out at this stage. It's down in the rules. You're obliged. Harry will just have to do the best he can. The door behind them opened again, and a large group of people came in. Professor Dumbledore, followed closely by Mr. Crouch, Professor Karkaroff, Madame Maxime, Professor McGonagall, and Professor Snape. Harry heard the buzzing of a hundred students on the other side of the wall before Professor McGonagall closed the door. Madame Maxime, said Fleur at once, striding over to her headmistress. They are saying that this little boy is to compete also. Somewhere under Harry's numb disbelief, he felt a ripple of anger. Little boy? Madame Maxime had drawn herself up to her full and considerable height. The top of her handsome head brushed the candle-filled chandelier, and her gigantic black satin bosom swelled. What is the meaning of this, Dumbledore? She said imperiously. I'd rather like to know that myself, Dumbledore, said Professor Karkaroff. He was wearing a steely smile, and his blue eyes were like chips of ice. Two Hogwarts champions? I don't remember anyone telling me the host school is allowed the two champions. Or have I not read the rules carefully enough? <sniffs> he gave a short and nasty laugh. C'est impossible, said Madame Maxime, whose enormous hand with its many superb opals was resting on Fleur's shoulder. Hogwarts cannot have two champions. It is most unjust. We were under the impression that your age line would keep out younger contestants, Dumbledore, said Karkaroff, his steely smile still in place, though his eyes were colder than ever. Otherwise, we would, of course, have brought along a wider selection of candidates from our own schools. It's no one's fault but Potter's, Karkaroff, said Snape softly. 
His black eyes were alight with malice. Don't go blaming Dumbledore for Potter's determination to break rules. He has been crossing lines ever since he arrived here. Thank you, Severus, said Dumbledore firmly. And Snape went quiet, though his eyes still glinted malevolently through his curtain of greasy black hair. Professor Dumbledore was now looking down at Harry, who looked right back at him, trying to discern the expression of the eyes behind the half-moon spectacles. Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire, Harry? Dumbledore asked calmly. No, said Harry. He was very aware of everybody watching him closely. Snape made a soft noise of impatient disbelief in the shadows. Did you ask an older student to put it in the Goblet of Fire for you? said Professor Dumbledore, ignoring Snape. No, said Harry vehemently. Ah, but of course he is lying, cried Madame Maxime. Snape was now shaking his head, his lip curling. He could not have crossed the age line, said Professor McGonagall sharply. I'm sure we are all agreed on that. Dumbledore must have made a mistake with the line, said Madame Maxime, shrugging. It is possible, of course, said Dumbledore politely. Dumbledore, you know perfectly well you did not make a mistake, said Professor McGonagall angrily. Really? What nonsense! Harry could not have crossed the line himself, and as Dumbledore believes that he did not persuade an older student to do it for him, I'm sure that should be good enough for everybody else. She shot a very angry look at Professor Snape. 